Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the JitteryMonkey family of podcasts. And remember, you can get JitteryMonkey Podcast Network merchandise at JitteryMonkey.com slash shop, including uh, the Five Heart logo, as well as an Iowa Sucks t-shirt. I highly recommend both of those. And uh, we're going to get some more Five uh, Heart-themed merchandise up there in the coming weeks. Haas doesn't even know about it, but without him... We wouldn't even have this saying, and uh, that is going to be coming up soon to the shop, the Incremental Improvement shirt, and, uh, and, and that's so far the only one I've got in mind. Haas it, Reuter is joining us once again, as well as John Dam Johnston, and from the Eastern Time Zone, though, we won't l- hold that against him, uh, Rick Cohn, and gentlemen, welcome back to uh, the show. I know it's been a couple of weeks for some of you, and longer for uh, one of you. Yep. Well, for me, it's just been one week. Well, I don't remember the last time I was on because I'm old and senile. Yeah, well, tell us something we don't know. Less old, but just as senile and didn't remember the last time I was on either. I think we're caught up. All right. So everybody's here and uh, uh, we're going to talk mostly recruiting and the early signing uh, period, which as we record this, the early signing day was... You know, the Wednesday of this week, of course, this episode drops on Friday. But uh, before we talk football recruiting, we do want to uh, mention, of course, the Husker women's volleyball team and their national uh, championship run. Of course, uh, when I talked with Ty last week, he was in Minnesota, or I, I think about it, he was about to be in Minnesota for uh, the Final Four and, of course, was there uh, watching as Nebraska uh, handled business against Iowa in or not Iowa, they they're not that good. Illinois in the uh, semifinal, and then came up a little short in five sets to top ranked, uh, top rated Stanford. Uh, tough loss, but uh, you know Nebraska's got a lot coming back. John, talk to me. You were there, uh, of course, getting some fantastic uh, photography. And what what was your takeaway from the not not really just the weekend, but you know two weekends uh, spent watching college volleyball. I really love volleyball. I mean, I mean seriously. I mean, it's, it's no, I mean, here's the thing. You go out and take a camera and shoot sports and there's certain sports that you just, yeah, I, I like college baseball, but when you get into a game of college baseball and you get like a pitcher's duel, you spend nine innings taking pictures of like a guy throwing a ball to a catcher that catches it in volleyball. There's action all the time and it's extremely fast action. I mean, it's, it's, I, I enjoyed the hell. What is so funny about that? I thought you were going to say something else when you said action. Oh, well, good God, you filthy minded cur- whatever uh, anyway i mean it, it was exciting i mean i was gonna almost say that you're not old enough to be a curmudgeon uh i mean the the, the regional at the maturi pavilion which is where the gophers play uh i mean the gophers lost to oregon in their second set 41 to 39 which is a mac football score or a big 12 football score although a little low for a big 12 football score. I mean, that was probably one of the more exciting sporting events in a compressed period that I've ever been to. Uh, The crowd at Maturi was good. Uh, The Husker fans showed up there, and then they showed up again at the national title matches or at the Final Four. And I think that part, that part I think surprised not Nebraska fans, but a lot of people up here. Who found out that the final four was sold out and they were surprised that it would be sold out for a volleyball event. But, uh, the crowd, the crowd was excellent. Uh, it was a really, really fun time except for, you know, the final outcome was, you know, kind of a downer, but at the same time, when you're looking at a team that's made what four final fours in a row. Yep. And, and in fact, uh, a couple of, uh, history makers on this team in Kenzie Maloney, cool down Hoss. 
and uh, Michaela Fecky, uh, who, uh, you, you know, I think if, if I'm correct, and I might not be, but I think that was part of the history is, you know, there those two players playing in four straight Final Fours um, and three national championship games in four years. Uh, this is, you, you know, we, we've used the term dynasty, and, and we can't even, you know, uh, we don't use it lightly. But John Cook has, re- you know, no, no pun intended, but really has something cooking uh, there in Lincoln. Uh, shut up, Internet. I, I said no pun intended. It's just the word I went with. Um, but uh, he, he's done some really phenomenal things. And, uh, uh, and these, you know, ladies on, on his team, I think, really love playing for him. And, and that shows. And I think next year they're going to be even better, which, you know, it, it, when you think about, you know, finishing second in the national, you know, you know, losing the national championship game, essentially finishing second. It's hard to say, come back and say, well, they're going to be even better next year, but they lose three seniors and really two of them were everyday contributors. They have a lot of talent coming back. And, uh, uh, I'm saddened as I know, uh, John and, and Haas and, and Rick are all saddened, uh, that the biggest loss that we're feeling at coronation is uh, Ty, who's stepping down from uh, volleyball duties, understandably so, uh, not just volleyball duties, he's, he's leaving coronation altogether to, uh, you know, he, he's got a young family and, and, and plenty going on in his life, and he's, you know, made that decision to uh, spend more time uh, there, prioritize a little. And I don't fault him for it, but we certainly will miss him. True. We, 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 spent, uh, we spent Saturday uh, – having lunch at Brent's pub, which is a nice, well, a British restaurant downtown Minneapolis. And then we went over to another, uh, brewery to have a few beers with a, a old friend of his. And it was, it was nice to see him and talk to him for a while. And I, I did buy him uh, lunch, which I haven't bought any of you sons of bitches. So take that. Yeah. He's, yeah. You have not. <laughs> you haven't even. Just, I got a long memory. I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a complainer, but I haven't even received my company uh, Christmas card from you yet with my $10 prepaid Visa gift card. So I don't know if, if that'll even make it here by the holiday. Yeah, John, could you do me a favor and talk to someone in the AD to see if you can get me one of those hats that has the N on it and says football underneath of it, like Frostwares? Are they that, are they that unique? I haven't seen them anywhere. I'll t- I'll make you one. Oh God! It's got to be Adidas. <laughs> okay, well I, yeah, I have some sweatshops of my own. <laughs> ah, I, knew, I knew you did. That's what the winos do. This might it. be spelled a little like more like a Dedis, but you know it's yeah, kind of close. Four yeah, stripes I mean, or two you get, stripes. You get what you pay for. Well, let's uh, let's turn the page uh, to uh, quote Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. And talk a little, yeah, um, which it's my understanding that East of Omaha is Iowa. And so I felt really bad for Bob Seger as he was writing that song. Um, But you know what I love about that song in the live version? I think it was recorded in Dallas. When he says East of Omaha, you can hear someone just go, "Woo!" (laughs) And like my imagination being what it is, I just imagine some guy like in 1973 from Omaha, he's at the concert and he says east of Omaha, and he's like taking a swig off his beer really fast, trying to down it. And he's just, whoa, you know. So, yeah. Well, as I mentioned, the day that we're recording is early signing day, and uh, Nebraska is, uh, you know, had, had a good number uh, come out. And, and Rick, you've done a phenomenal job all day long uh, in chronicling. Uh, the as as the facts faxes of letters of intent were were sent in. Uh, what time did you get up this morning? I got up at five forty five to have everything ready, but that's East Coast, you know. So I don't know if that really counts. Sure, it does because that means it was six forty five in the Central Time Zone, according to your uh, math. Is that, r- is that right, or is it like eleven a.m.? No, it's uh. <laughs> No, that's four forty-five. I've done this all day. I've done this all day. Do my maths backwards. That'd be four forty-five your time. It, it was great. We yes. were we were getting everything set up, you know, and, and finalizing the time to record tonight. And he says eight thirty, right? I said yeah. He said your time or my time. 
and I said, uh, uh, my time. And he says, okay, I'm ready. He was thinking that we were like an hour ahead, or, or he, he, he thought we were an hour ahead of him, which would put us out in the Atlantic Ocean, which is not how I plan to live my life. Uh, but no, for, so 4.45 Central, the only time zone that matters. Uh, and uh, what the hell is going on in my son's room? Uh, so anyway, we got some recruits who uh, something just floated past the monitor. I'm really concerned that there's a ghost up there. Um, we we had some recruits sign up. Uh, a lot of them. Uh, this is going to be the the fun part where I kind of sit back and listen and let you guys uh, uh, talk. Um, but real quick, I mean, do, do do I get to ask questions? Yeah, you Absolutely. do that. I'm going to go. You ask questions. I'm going to go check on my son. Okay. This will be fun. Uh, so overall, what do you what do you two recruiting expert guys think of this class? I think it's a solid foundation. Oh um, yeah, it's not you know there's not a lot of big names you know like at the skill positions with the exception of you know Wandale Robinson, but it's guys that you can really build a solid nucleus around like Michael Lynn, Matthew Anderson, Bryce Benhart, the commit who I can't even pronounce his last name the tight end offensive tackle from South Carolina. Uh, Fritchie. Fritchie? Fritchie. Fritchie. I grew, I grew up with Fritchies in my hometown. So, yeah, that, those are guys that can develop. Um, Fritchie and uh, Michael Lynn, those kind of guys, Matthew Anderson, those guys will probably need some development in the weight room. But you've seen Iowa in the past, you know, almost two decades turn high school tight ends into really, really, really athletic and talented offensive tackles. So I'm excited about that. And Zach Wieger was a high school tight end from Fremont Bergen, you know, way back in the day. So I I like what converted tight ends can bring to that position. And then of course, you know, the crown jewel of the class, at least in my opinion, Bryce Benhart. Yes, Uh, absolutely. That guy is a day one starter. Wow, out of, out of Lakeville North. Yep. I mean, that you don't see too many high school offensive linemen or college offensive linemen built like that early in their careers. I mean, he's he, he's built like uh, Big John from the Jimmy Dean song, you know, kind of broad at the shoulder and narrow at the hips. Like, that's, that's the build for a guy like Ben Hart. And he's a guy that can probably jump right in. I wish he was an early enrollee, but... Last I heard, he's chasing down another state heavyweight uh, wrestling championship up in Minnesota. So he'll be here in May, and I think that he's got the skills to step in at that right tackle spot and allow us to move Matt Farniak inside to guard. That's the way I see it, too. I mean, you don't see true freshman tackles hardly ever unless a team is desperate. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that doesn't describe us, but he is just, his frame is already there. And, and like uh, Haas said, he's not like a big fat kid. This is a guy who can move. Mm-hmm. Can, I, I spent a lot of time watching film in this job. And, uh, and he runs and moves and pulls and goes to the second level and puts a guy on the ground, goes to the next level, puts that guy on the ground. That, I can't believe that he's a three-star, to be honest with you. The only thing I can think is that uh, – he didn't make the camp circuit a priority and he's paying for it is this guy has got to be the biggest get. I don't care about Wandale Robinson. I know he's going to be fantastic and he's going to have highlight reel after highlight reel. Bryce Benhart means more to this offense than any other recruit on that side of the ball. Absolutely. Okay. Well that ruined my next question. Which was, who's your favorite guy out of this draft? You're both picking Bryce Benhart. Well, I'd say Bryce Benhart, and 1B is Ty Robinson. Okay, we'll talk about him. I, I mean, not too often you can beat out Alabama for a defensive end, and especially not too often when you're coming off of a 4-8 and eight season and Alabama's playing and, you know, yet another Alabama Invitational that is, you know, inappropriately named the college football playoff. And so anytime you can get a guy like that, especially a guy who's another kind of ready-made player, you know, he's 6'5", 260 pounds, and let's pump the brakes on, 
this next part it's going to sound you know very hyperbolic but that was grant wistrom's build at nebraska by the time he was a senior 6'5, 260 pounds and he's probably he, he's a similar player to that he's a disruptive pass rusher he's probably not going to have those opportunities at nebraska to get after the quarterback just because he's going to be playing that inside four eye technique on the inside shoulder of a offensive tackle but he's he's an upgrade over a lot of guys that we have on the roster already uh just with you know signing ty robinson and who else was it that i said in the slack room earlier today i think it was my phone would load wait 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 rick yes pick a guy named not named bryce benhart or ty robinson and who's your next favorite guy on the list who's my next favorite guy on the list Oh, goodness. You make this so hard. Um, Jamie Nance. Jamie Nance, wide receiver for out of Blanchard, Oklahoma. He is going to be fast, fast, fast. He is the guy that is going to replace Stanley Morgan. Yeah, what's Nance run? Like a 10.2, 100-meter, something just Insane. I think he had a, I saw a 10 6 still blazing fast. That, uh, in his press conference today that Scott Frost talked about was he wants to get Jamie Nance here where he can time him electronically and see what he's really got because he has so much speed. But that, that's yeah. a huge aspect. Something that we're really actually missing in this offense this year. You know, <laughs> the big play threat. Uh, we saw Greg Bell get ran down against Colorado, while Divino Zigbo had a great burst, you know, coming out of a coming out of the hole. He wasn't the fastest, you know, top end guy. Neither was J.D. Spielman. So getting a guy like Nance, that's kind of where you start seeing some of those things from UCF in 2017 with a guy like Adrian Killens, you know, start to come together and coalesce in Lincoln. Okay, next. You're, are you done? I'm waiting for the next question. Okay, here's the thing. And I don't, this is going to sound negative to people, but I, I want you guys to be honest with your answers. Uh, we gave five players from Nebraska scholarships. Okay, do I need to name them off? No, I got them. Nick Hendrick, no. Chris Hickman, tight end out of Omaha, uh, Ethan Piper, athlete out of Norfolk. And Garrett Snodgrass, linebacker out of York. Um, <clears throat> do we really need to give five players from Nebraska scholarships? Are these guys really? I don't mean to be. Well, yes, I do. I'm challenging you. Is you know, are we giving guys Nebraska scholarships just because they're from Nebraska? Or are they actually worthy of scholarship authors? Offers? Well, you know that I'm. I've never been big on you know giving guys scholarships strictly because they're from Nebraska while they might care more about the program, you know, intrinsically, you know, it's not always something that, you know, can be, you know, is proven empirically on the field, you know, uh, speed and talent trumps all, you know, if, a, if a guy wants it bad enough, you know, but he is not faster than Usain Bolt, he's not going to beat Usain Bolt in the foot race. But, that being said, the five guys that we offered scholarships to and they accepted and signed are all good football players. Tom Lemming was saying that if Garrett Nelson out of Scott's Bluff played, you know, in a more populated area, he'd be a five star because he is the kind of athlete. He dominates a class B football game like a five star athlete should and would. Um, Garrett Snodgrass is a very athletic running back slash linebacker. I think Ethan Piper is a guy who turns into an offensive lineman by the time his career is over. And then you got the two guys out of Omaha, Burke, Henrich, and Hickman, who Nick Henrich, he's the kind of linebacker that was born to play in the Big Ten Conference. You know, on a shitty gray sleet day in late November, He's the kind of guy who's meeting a fullback or a pulling guard in the hole and disrupting the play. I mean, there's a reason why Iowa and Wisconsin were so hot after him. He's our Chris highest Hickman's rated. Uh, he's our highest rated uh, commit of this class. Is he really? Yes, he is. He's our uh, 
he's rated higher than Wandale Robinson. He's rated higher than Ty Robinson. He is highest ranked in rivals and two four seven in our player. He is our showpiece player, Nick Henrich. So there's a lot of quality here. The only oh, player that I would say would possibly be a reach, maybe, would be Ethan Piper, but he doesn't have a position. Mm-hmm. But like uh, I see him, I see it the same way that Haas does. He's going to end up on the offensive side of the ball, and he's going to be developed. He can't be worse than Cole Conrad. And <laughs> the other thing about Ethan, though, and th- this is an intangible, okay, and this is Haas uh, alluded to this. Ethan Piper once wanted to be a Husker, probably worse, more worse, whatever you want to say, than any other person that signed his papers today. He was a Husker since the day he was born, just like us. The only team he wanted to play for was Nebraska, and he's going there. And that attitude is going to cause him to work harder. And although he was never going to win the Outland or whatever the defensive outland, you know, he's not going to win the Remington. He's not going to win the outland or something like that, but he is going to work harder and try harder and give more. And that's good. That counts for something. So really when it comes down to you, this son of a bitch is winning the outland in three years. So (laughs) you'll look like a butt. Oh, he's kind of one of those guys that I do going in, you know, plugging into the center position and developing. I mean, he's a, he's a great athlete. And, 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 Lord knows that this staff, you know, if you look at their offensive line recruiting with the exception of Ben Hart, they like guys who they might be undersized, but they have good frames that can develop. And as Zach Duvall's proven during his time at UCF, during his time training Khalil Mack at Buffalo, and now in one year in Lincoln, he's the guy that's able to develop them. Then you got Greg Austin doing the on-field coaching. And so, you know, Taking a flyer, so to speak, on a guy like Ethan Piper, it could pay off in dividends. Just like, you know, Fritchie, just like uh, guys like that. I'm I'm glad you said that. Or Brant Banks. I think Brant Banks ends up being on the offensive side of the ball as well. I'm glad you said frame because, yeah, uh, like Rick said, you know, Ethan Piper may not have a position right now, but the first thing that I think of when I see him is kid's got a frame. I mean, in in that strength and conditioning program, they're going to build him into, you know, whatever they need him to be, and and I could see him being, you know, for lack of a better term, one of those big hosses up front, and uh, uh, you know, it it, it, dude just looks when as I was scrolling through, uh, you know, coronation.com's excellent early signing day coverage, uh, and I came across that picture, I'm like. Holy cow! Look at that! Look at that kid's arms, and uh, it, you know if he's got some good footwork and, and uh, you know like Rick said, the intangible of, of wanting to be a Husker since the day he was born, and you know waiting his whole life for the moment that he had today at you know seven thirty this morning, whatever it was that that he you know sent in his LOI. I think he's going to put in the work. I think he'll outwork you know a lot of other people to you know earn that spot and earn that playing time i i you know i i i almost agree with john's assessment i don't know if there's a a you know a trophy in his future but i i think he's going to uh to end up being a leader because as a taking nothing away from the other nebraska kids but as that one who you know like rick said more than any wanted to be a husker uh, who didn't you know necessarily entertain offers from anywhere else kind of knew, had his mind set, he's, he's going to be a leader because he understands what it means to be a Husker. Like Ethan Piper, just if he can build into being, you know, develop into being an offensive guard or a center, even if he doesn't crack the starting lineup, that kind of athleticism is something that I'd love to see as like a short yardage H-back within Frost's offense, kind of similar to things that Matt Nagy is doing with the Chicago Bears offense and goal line sets, you know, lining up in the pistol or shotgun. Eligible receivers at tight end or H-back or just offensive linemen, that, that's something that I think would be a good short yardage package in Frost's offense, and I think that Piper's the kind of guy that fits that mold. 
no pressure, but perhaps in the future, Ethan Piper line. Eh? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Catches a touchdown to beat, you know, Alabama in Indianapolis in January of 2022. Yep. Okay, another name. Uh, Devin Wright. No, 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 no. I get it. I get to say the name this time. Oh, okay, Lord. say a name. Okay, no, you guys have not mentioned Luke McCaffrey at all. I was going and, to, but you and 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 but yeah, yeah, but your position has been a serped guy that has to check on his kid. Here's, you know, here's the <laughs> whole thing with Luke McCaffrey. It's just such a he's in. Goes back to kind of what we were talking about with Piper. He doesn't really have a position right now. Yes, he was recruited as a quarterback, but there are things that he's going to have to develop into that position in Lincoln. He could also play receiver. Uh, he's just got great athleticism. And when you look at it, you're kind of going, well, he's going to be behind a guy named Adrian Martinez for a while. So I think that's kind of what contributes to the overall radio silence on a guy like Luke McCaffrey. I just don't like talking about quarterbacks. I was a lineman and a, and a linebacker. Wow. So, so, uh, so really what you're, what you're saying is you didn't get any chicks and the quarterbacks got them. And you still, <laughs> after all these years, resent this. It's really what's well, coming know, out there. It's not Buddy even Ryan, Buddy yeah. Ryan in his 1985 Chicago Bears defensive playbook has in the opening page that says quarterbacks are overpaid, pompous bastards and deserve to be put on their back every play. I I thought that way about quarterbacks when I was, you know, a defen- undersized defensive lineman. But in the modern game, quarterbacks are worth their weight in gold. And uh so So you got you got past that, your you got yeah, past yeah. your problems with no dates in high school. Yeah, quarterbacks hey. always get all the dates. You know, I can, I can barely throw a football thirty yards. Anyway, Luke McCaffrey, who probably had more than his share of dates in high school comes from an impeccable athletic pedigree, right? And I think he is the perfect recruit for a quarterback in this class. And this is why. Because he knows that he needs development. He only played one year as a starter because he was behind a college quarterback that was behind another college quarterback. And this is the first year that he actually got any playing time, he knows that he needs development. He knows that he needs to redshirt. And that way, he might actually stick around. And as we've seen, quarterbacks don't like to stick around if they're not starting. But he will. So that's going to be great because we're actually going to have a backup quarterback. Our third-string quarterback is transferring this year. Our second-string transferred before the season even started. Third-string wants to transfer now. We got to have somebody who will stick around. I think Luke McCaffrey will do that. And you know, his older brother is a quarterback in Michigan. His older older brother was a running back at uh, for Stanford, and now the Carolina Panthers. His mother was an Olympian. His mother was an Olympian. His father was an Olympian. His grandfather was an Olympian. I don't know. They're all Olympians in that family. <laughs> so. It's like they it's like they were selfish and took it all. Like My family didn't get shit. I got yeah. no Olympians anywhere. It's like you joke about how Nebraska needs to take all their all-American football players and arrange marriages to all the all-American volleyball and basketball players and have all those kids so you know you have this athletic generation factory, you know. And they actually did it. So that's the McCaffreys. We're getting the last one. I think he's going to stick around for a while. I think he, he played a good season this year. They won the national champion or national championship. Their team won the state championship against quality competition. Uh, he was solid. He had a uh, high completion rate. I subscribe to the Mike Leach philosophy that you can't teach accuracy. So he's already accurate. I mean, I think he'll be a good player, and he'll stay. So uh, Adrian Martinez is probably going to go pro after his junior season. This guy, Red Shirts, he can uh, start as a junior and a senior, and I think he'll be ideally positioned to do so. 
I agree. Let, let's go. comes out of development, but then there's a guy behind him named Logan Smothers who's going to be pretty damn good. Greg, did you actually want to say something? Mm, who, me? Greg. Greg? I, I was going to say, let, let's pump the brakes on, on talking about Adrian Martinez going pro after his junior year. I'm not, I'm not ready yeah. for that yet. I, I'm not. It, yeah, before before we can talk about that, Adrian Martinez has to lead us on a you know fifty points per game slash and burn through the Big Ten West. To uh, well, we at least have to make a bowl. Well, that's that's the first step. Incremental improvement. Yeah. Okay. You know what else strikes me about this recruiting class? Um. I, no. Hey, John. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Go ahead. How did it feel to drop that potential interception on Sunday night against the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> you know what else strikes me about this recruiting class? Hey, John, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Were you not watching the game? No. I was, I, was still, I was in mourning after the volleyball loss. There was a DB named John Johnson. <laughs> I remember that bastard because I used to get his email. <laughs> for the LA Rams. And he got I a lot more he got a lot more time. offers from women than I ever did. You know what? You got one thing going for you though that he doesn't you didn't get burned repeatedly Sunday night. Well that is true. Hey hey John, that can I ask true. you a question? Oh God what? What else strikes you about this uh Husker recruiting class? You know what else strikes me about this Husker recruiting <laughs> class? The English is hard. Uh that's what strikes me, but Look at look at the places for all these players. I mean, you've got uh, Louisiana, Texas, Minnesota, Washington, Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, Nebraska. New Jersey, Colorado, Oklahoma, Iowa, Arizona. I mean, you got this is everywhere. It's I like mean, it's like, like Riley the, uh, said, we're America's team. It's like uh, the coaching staff. That? The coaching staff was the yeah, Johnny. It's like this coaching staff was the Johnny Cash song. Uh, I've been everywhere, man. Yeah, I, we're connected psychically, Craig. Were you thinking the same thing, Rick? I was thinking exactly the same thing. I'm telling That's you, that's kind of terrifying. Be afraid. Be very afraid. We 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 even we even pulled a walk on out of Georgia. I know. Watkinsville, Georgia. That's where you know you're big time. You're pulling walk-ons out of state. We Just got a walk-on from Texas. Ties. Okay, I'm out of questions because that's all I know about recruiting. Well, Mostly about, but here's the thing I think about recruiting classes. Uh, I don't really start to care about these players until they don't get arrested by the time they arrive on campus <laughs> for doing something stupid while they're still in high school. Uh, or they, they don't break a beer bottle over their teammate's head. Yeah, that'd be good. They, or they don't show their wang to the cashier at the quickest. Oh stand. God, let's let's not list crimes. <laughs> this is like times. giving people ideas. Uh, I've given you ideas. Hey, <laughs> they they qualify academically. They show up. They do what's required of them to get them on the field. And then when they're on the field, I start to care about them. So. Uh, what else is God, there about this recruiting class? An NFL head coach. You're damn right I would. I'm <laughs> waiting for the phone call. John what? Damn Johnston, head coach of the Chicago Bears. Let's, I like the ring to it. I want to I talk mean, with that mustache, you'd fit in with all the Chicago Bears super fans. Well, let's talk a little bit about some the of Bears. the players who didn't sign today, but that doesn't necessarily mean – uh, we've heard the last uh, one of the names that that's been tossed around. And, and again, uh, if you scroll down far enough on the excellent coverage on coordination.com on the early signing day uh, is Noah Pola Gates. What is his story? Because he I mean, he essentially said, you know what? It, it's nice uh, to be talked uh, about, you know, from Bama. It's just not. And this is a quote. It, it isn't a true fit for me and my family. So eliminating Alabama, but. You know Arizona State, Nebraska, and uh, reportedly USC still in the mix. So, what is it about Noah Pola Gates, and and is it something that we're going to have to wait till February to get a, a response from him? It just no, we're going to hear about him. Uh, he's going to announce at the Polynesian Bowl on January nineteenth. Okay. So, but he's going to sign in February. This uh, 
the story. He may have signed today, and we and everybody's just keeping it under wraps. They've been very good at controlling the flow of information out of the athletics office. I'll tell you that much. Things have taken me by. It doesn't leak like it used to. No, no, Paula Gates is someone we really, really want, and I'm sure that everyone is going to hear it 112 billion times over the next four years. But his cousin Kiana plays softball for us. So there is already a family connection there to entice him to come. Family is important to him and to the Polynesian players in general. Mm -hmm. That's why I've struggled so much. Oops, sorry to interrupt. No, the other thing he's got going for him is we have a committable offer to his, another cousin, Matthew Polamau. I'm probably butchering his, but he's a defensive tackle. He's 6'2". Uh, 280, something like that. Sounds like perfect measurables for a nose tackle. And uh, has a committable offer to Nebraska, too. And Nebraska is the only place where his cousin and him can both play ball together. I think we got a fighting chance here. And this guy is also a guy who is uh, in the top 250 in the nation, high-ranking four-star, in a position where we desperately need an infusion of talent. What well, I hope I hope we get him for one sole reason. He'd be the only funky funky named guy in this class because when you look down this class, I look at the names and they're all really kind of other than like Ramir Johnson. I mean, you know what I mean. Every one of these names look like uh, I don't know. It came out of the name generator when you put generic character name on Red Dead Redemption or like uh, Fallout Three or something. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not being. I'm not trying to insult these people, but there's no weird names in here. And you always have fun with weird names. Well, there's only one DiCaprio Boodle out there, John. <laughs> we do have a we do have a walk-on named Noah Stafersky from York, an offensive lineman. That that's fun, right? So uh Pola Gates, that's the guy's name? Noah Pola Gates. Gates. It's it's too it's, it's the, right. It's hyphenated. Yes, the matriarch and the patriarch. It, tell me again, John, that uh, the name of that uh, kid out of York who walked on? Noah Stafersky. That is a Big Ten offensive lineman name right there. Sounds it is like kind of, yeah. eating brats on the south side of Chicago. I was going to say, that's got, and I, I say this with a last name of Mahachko, so I hope I can get away with it, but that's got Polish written right all, all over it. I tell you what, if he doesn't go pro, he's definitely going to be a mail carrier in Aww, a uh, a town with a lot of snow. <laughs> that's that's hurtful, and I like mail carriers. I mean, I know I have some of them who are friends, but I think saddling that type of career with, on him is just too soon, too soon. Yeah, uh, you, I mean that's hey. a, it's an honorable trade. Unlike Mike Riley, mail carriers deliver on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, plus that they, you know what else? They get pensions. The yeah, pitches. they have great. They've got great retirement plans for a Yeah, week. fine. I don't get a pension. I'd be a healthy. Sounds healthy. like a personal problem. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, John. Yeah, what how I feel is I'll be working until the what a day I'm going to go. Oh, I'm retiring the next day. I'll just be <laughs> dropping dead. Hey, yeah. Speaking of not dropping dead, uh, can I can I do a shout out to a special person in my life? Absolutely. My mom. You're usually in charge of this show. (laughs) Yeah, but that doesn't mean that anybody cares about what I have to say. Yeah, you're the skipper, man. (laughs) My mom had her retirement party today, and uh, bless her heart, she's been a registered nurse as long as I've been alive and worked for the same hospital. And uh, I, you know, worked during the day, and and she wasn't expecting me to, to get over to her retirement party. And I got there with about 10 minutes left, and it was... Like, my sister met me at the door, and she said, you know, people have been in and out. And, and then as we got closer to where the, the party was, she says it's pretty much just, you know, quieted down now. And mom started cleaning up, and I'm like, oh, no, no. So I walk in there. It's basically just my mom and my dad. And then she sees me not expecting me, and she's visibly taken aback, like, shocked that I, I made it there. And, uh, and it was emotional. So I'm awful proud of my mom. Um, you know, she, she worked. Yes, you should she worked, uh, you know, night shift when I was little, and I remember had uh, a lot of time uh, with her. 
you know, growing up because she worked nights but was home during the day and whatnot. So, uh, you know, we used to play He-Man and whatnot, you know, way back in the day and make s'mores after lunch. And so, uh, uh, you know, then she got normal hours like a normal human being. And, uh, uh, you know, she uh, awful proud of her. And, uh, uh, you know, now she gets to relax uh, at home with my dad. And, and we'll see how long that lasts before they... <laughs> start <laughs> bickering back and forth from being with each other every day but uh because uh, he retired a couple years ago but uh she doesn't listen to, she knows what a podcast is I've, I've put a few on her phone but she never listens to them uh so she's not going to listen to this but uh, just awful proud of my mom and uh, and happy retirement to her so that's all moving on huskers well congratulations to her but was she shocked because she just didn't know you were out of prison <laughs> Wait, have you have you been Skyping with us from the Illinois Correctional Facility? I can neither confirm nor deny. Let's just well, say I, that, that I... Explains, that explains the Wi-Fi problem. <laughs> yes. We fixed that, fucker. I know. Uh, we got an upgrade. We, we used some of our uh, tax dollars that didn't make its way into a politician's pockets. And, uh, you know, so we have much better Wi-Fi, uh, 3G LTE. I think that's a thing. And, uh, yeah, so... Um, and by the way, when I say I got to go check on my son, it means I've got to prevent somebody from getting shivved in the showers. So you're a man of the people, Greg. I, I, I so do what were I you can. in for? I can't say I'm innocent. <laughs> you were a bag man, weren't you? I'm innocent. That's why you're so anti bag man. Now what, you got popped by the feds. What, what is it? What, what's the line in Shawshank Redemption? Uh, I'm innocent. My, my lawyer fucked me. We're all innocent here. That's right. <laughs> yep. We're all innocent here. That's what it is. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going with that. So, uh, any more? I mean, I don't really know if we need a dossier on each of these Husker recruits. We'll uh, learn more about them over time. Uh, how many of them are, are able to, you know, go to Lincoln, you know, and do the early enrollee, you know, this upcoming semester? Anybody know? Uh, I think there's like six. Uh, Wandale Robinson is one. Bryce Benhart is not. Oh, shoot. You're asking me the hard questions. There's like six, and if you look in my uh, preview article for signing day week, they're all named. Perfect. So go on Coronation and look for my signing day preview article and read it, and that information is contained within. There's yeah. like about six or six to eight somewhere in there, and a couple of walk-ons as well. Is there a list? I mean, are they listed that I can, you know – Get to them yes, easily. There is, there is a list. All right, hold on, because I've got the article pulled up right now. Okay, well, wait a minute. Before, go ahead. But um, I don't know. Wait a minute. Go ahead. Go ahead. Whatever. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Did you guys? Did you guys uh, pay attention to what else happened throughout the Big Ten? No. No, because I don't give an F. I did some. Except when we're dropping fifty points on them. Okay, Rick. Rick. How did we do in the Big Ten compared to other classes? So, uh, Iowa flipped a recruit from Northern Illinois. Ooh. Yes, and they failed to flip a recruit from Northern Iowa. That's how how Iowa did. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I was like, gosh, that's, that's like us a few years ago. Um. Ohio State lost two uh, four-star recruits, one to Georgia, one to Bama, like their quarterback recruit and a five-star defensive tackle, defensive end type guy. Uh, But they they ended up signing some other five-stars, so it didn't matter. Um, Purdue moved up to uh, 25th. They have a solid class. Four four-star recruits. Uh, they're produce coming, man. Produce coming. Uh, Minnesota. There was a bunch of articles about how great their class was. It had one four-star recruit in it. So Nebraska is still uh, solidly in the talent lead, I guess you'd say, in uh, in the Big Ten West. But uh, we dropped a few spots today overall, and a couple of the other teams uh, moved up a little. But we're we're still first. Purdue is coming. That's going to be a, a game to watch in the coming years. 
as long as Jeff Brom's at Purdue and Scott Frost is in Lincoln, I think that's going to be one of the – it's going to blossom into a rivalry in the Big Ten West. Um, and I think it's going to be the most watchable game in the Big Ten West. Oh, yeah, a lot of points. I mean, how many times can you watch Iowa and Wisconsin punt at each other? Well, if you're old, just, like, scratch out your own eyeballs. Defense. I don't love defense, you son of a bitch. Well, I do love defense, but I I want to see I want to see Scott Frost team outscored at Purdue. Di- I want to see fifty to forty five. I'm okay with. I'll just shut up now. I don't okay, care. Shut up for a minute. I don't care if it's fifty to forty five or twenty four to twenty three, as long as we have the twenty four or the fifty. But I think there's going to be some some high flying uh, some high flying teams. Well, if we wouldn't have played such a bad third quarter against Purdue this year, that game would have gone to overtime tied at 42 in Lincoln. Yeah, we just, we pardon the crass expression, but we couldn't quit stepping on our own dick for the entire third quarter. I can't believe you said that. I'm offended. No, that's a football guy saying right there. (laughs) I'm not offended. Can we can we talk about being offended real quick? Sure. Well, yeah. Last week. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't know how much more recruiting talk we got, but we all saw the picture uh, from Stanford's locker room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody in in on this panel have have like not saying don't have a problem with it, but was anybody offended and and like oh my god I can't believe I mean not in the least bit not even a little. Okay, like, I couldn't even feign any self-righteous indignation. Sorry, like, I was I, horribly offended because it's my job to be the contrarian. And since you guys weren't <laughs> offended, here's the thing: I I noticed that uh, uh, there, you know, this got played up a lot in Nebraska. Of course it did, and it, I I felt it really took away from Stanford's victory, and it was really a shame that it got as much attention as it, as it did. Uh, you know, Ty covered it in his post-game piece. Uh, I thought very well because he's, you know, he coaches. He also talks to former Nebraska volleyball players and existing Nebraska volleyball players because he's covered him. But uh, I noticed where some of, okay, I'm not going to name names, but there's some guys in our just media stuff that really pander to Nebraska crowd is and play this up about how unsportsmanlike it was and how, how it was just evil and awful. And for God's sakes, it was in a locker room. Number one was probably never intended to see public light. Although God knows everything does these days with social media. Uh, I could see where people might be offended at the gun imagery and, but I, the rest of it, you know, I mean, it was something to fire them up, I guess. Here, you know here's what I, you know what I, I, I the brought fact this that the up. The gun looked like a blow dryer. Well, I, yeah, wasn't the best, you know. Yeah, it I mean, like, like a nine millimeter a liberal Beretta. arts school. Keyword arts. Can, Come can, on. Can I can I discuss what I was offended by? And I think I was the first person to uh, notice this. The tree had two right hands. Okay, that's just messed up. No well, left have hand. You ever, have you? I talked to the Stanford tree. He might have two right hands. <laughs> <laughs> is he a real douchebag? No, he was a really nice guy, but you know, he again, that thing is so weird that it might have two right hands. I don't know. Yeah, I, I will ask. I will ask this. Closer. I want to. I want to bring this up, and I brought it up today with a guy that I talk sports with that I work with, uh, who's a Penn Good State friend. alum. But uh, are Co-worker. we more offended by this because it was women? I mean, that's an honest question. That's actually a really good question. Honest to God question for people who listen to this podcast. And I want you to to write in or to uh, comment comment on the website or something. But are we more offended by this because we see we don't want to see this kind of imagery from women? There, I don't know. Do we expect them to like have pictures of bunnies and rabbits and unicorns on their locker room wall? Are we disgusted with the fact that they might? I don't know, flip somebody off or use gun imagery. I don't know. I think anyone who's ever pissed off a woman in their life knows that women can get pretty damn angry. And in a fierce competition like the college volleyball national championship game, I would expect their intensity to be on par with, you know, a man's intensity. 
Absolutely. I, I, These are fierce competitors that have been in this position their entire lives, just like anybody else. Why would it not translate to uh, something aggressive and competitive on that whiteboard? I mean, it's just, it's, I, it's just what it, I mean. They're competitors. It's, it's not that they're women; they're just competitors. I don't exactly. think it should matter. I think I think into the in the end, we started this show with me talking about the volleyball thing, and the sport is fast and wonderful. And I think really that I hadn't gotten to see a lot of volleyball over the past few years. And this year, I saw a game at Devaney. I've seen multiple games at Maturi Pavilion, Minnesota, and now the national title run. I, what struck me most is just how unbelievably athletic the these young women are when they're going up for a kill it's like watching an nba player going up for a dunk i mean it's, and the blocking and the stuff like that i mean it's just like holy crap yeah it is there you go i mean it's intense it, it makes it uh you know high drama and, and really fun to watch i and when you have Nebraska at playing at this elite level and, and playing in you know the Final Four and the championship game, uh, Nebraska, you know, just like the the football fans are are very intelligent football fans, uh, you know, by and large, uh, they're volleyball fans. I think, and this is going to come off sound biased or Homer, but I think our volleyball fans are the smartest fans in the country, and when the volleyball team is playing at that national level and it's televised, uh, you get that ratings bump. So don't get me wrong. I, I think that, you know, the network, you know, ESPN or whomever it is, uh, wants Nebraska volleyball to continue to uh, make it to the, the Final Four every year because they're going to see that, that spike in, in, in ratings. It, it bump, spike. These are accidental volleyball wordings that, that just happen to be you know, uh, uh, keyed into, you know, the conversation, but, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. I, I had, uh, I had the match on for a little bit and, and was listening to it, uh, you know, on the tune in app of the Huskers IMG, uh, you know, channel or station, uh, at other times. So, um, it, it's fun to listen to, but it, it's, it's fun to watch. And, and John, like you said, you know, it's, it's nonstop action for the most part, and you don't get that type of, uh, of, I mean, hockey has you know few pauses. Uh, so, you know, soccer or football has his few pauses, but volleyball is just it, it's always always on the move. Very short breaks. It's not certainly not like watching a baseball game, uh, and really not even like watching football, um, which you know I love to do. So it's worth it to anybody I think who enjoys you know high competition. Uh, you know, or, or competition at elite levels to to follow volleyball and follow the Husker volleyball team if they're Husker fans. And uh, uh, that, I don't really know how to wrap that rant up, but uh, I appreciate the airtime. Thanks. Uh, I'll, well, I'll hang up and, and listen. Tip your weight, Steph. Well, you, what you're saying there is that if Nebraska wasn't in the Final Four, it would kill the ratings. I really, I, I mean, can you dispute that? It was a volleyball pun. I'll kill. I oh, don't. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, 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 you, you know I, what? I, I, do I need to warn you people ahead of time? <laughs> you set it up, and uh, I, I was unable to. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> on that happy note, anything else we got? No. Well, we wanted to keep the show short, shorter, didn't we? Well, we wanted to keep it under an hour and a half, according to Haas, and we're right about at an hour, so. We put some closing thoughts in about signing day, and uh, and uh, and we'll end on that if you so desire. Yes, yes. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Okay, so let's talk about this class in general terms. This is like we there was first of all, even though uh, Scott Frost thought that he started late, we signed twenty three people today and have two more just waiting on uh, review of paperwork. So, got a lot done on this class. It was a low drama day for Nebraska. We didn't have flips and weird craziness happening like lots of like Georgia and Alabama and, and State, Ohio State. And Florida State lost their quarterback to recruit to Mac Ground at North Carolina. Oh, Miami. You know, I mean, things were happening out in the rest of the 
recruiting world. And I, all I had to do was just uh, put signing day tweets in there. Then the next thing that I wanted to point out was uh, just an observation. It seemed like five years ago, when I seven years ago, when I first started uh, reading Corn Nation and actually following Nebraska football uh, a little closer, when Brian was writing uh, these articles, all these January guys that we were in on, they were all like, it was us and like Purdue when Purdue was bad and like Central Michigan, you know, or UAB or Texas State or something like that. And we get these guys and Brian would have to say, well, you know, he doesn't have an offer list, but uh, but uh, the coaches see something. I think we can develop. I mean, there's a lot of reaches, a lot of reaches, a lot of guys that were like, well, they're on our team. <laughs> And yeah, then the Bo Pelini, low hanging fruit. Yes, and then, and then Mike Riley came, and all these five star, incredible uh, people with online social media presences came, and and there was all this pizzazz and flash and all that, and it just fizzled away like a dang. What's that thing you wave around on? Uh, sparkler. Sparkler. Thank you. Yeah, it just went away, and there was just nothing left. <laughs> And we had all these guys and we had all this hope and then they just all went everywhere else. And when you look at this class, there's a lot of three stars. You know, we had like uh, six or eight, four stars. All right. But uh, when you look at the three star guys, we were fighting Clemson for these three star guys and Alabama for these three star guys and TCU for these three star guys. We're, it's a whole nother level of recruiting. You know, we're not recruiting against uh, Wisconsin for linemen, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Quint, uh, Mosai Newsom, defensive end, you know, we're fighting Wisconsin and Iowa for him. You know, that just, you know, he's a, a solid get. It's just a complete different level of recruiting than we used to see. So I, I think that uh, the future is bright. Uh, that's agree. that's and then so we'll talk about what's left. Uh, the coaching staff wants to take thirty people. Uh, you can take twenty five in a recruiting class, and you can count five people back towards uh, last class, and they have the ability to do that. And we have the spots, so they're they're wanting to take thirty. So we got twenty five on board, right? So that's five more spots. I think the the names people need to be watching are. We need an outside linebacker that's a pass rusher. That's the one thing we do not have in this class yet is that Apex Predator pass rusher. Is that what you call him, Haas? Apex Predator pass rusher. Yes, yes we don't have Shaquem Griffin yet. We need a Shaquem Griffin clone, but he's not here. I think the names you're going to hear for that are Brandon Mack and mm. uh, Suni Fanoa, another name that you'll appreciate, John. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Noah Pola Gates, uh, target number one. Probably Matthew Pola Gate or pa- Pola Mal is because it's kind of a package deal. And then there's one more guy who's probably going to be a grad transfer, and we'll see how that goes. But that's probably uh, what we're going to see between now and February 9th, the second uh, the second signing day. And I think that's all I have for uh, recruiting. I like it. Haas, final thoughts? Final thoughts, like I said earlier, it's a good foundational class, you know, in the trenches. Got some weaponry. Um, Just need, as Scott Frost said this evening on Sports Nightly, you just got to, you know, close out with some more receivers, pass rushers, corners, and, uh, you know, priority number one going into next season is fixing and bolstering the pass rush. John, final thoughts. Well, you know, when he was talking about uh, you know waving things around that fizzled out, I I I had a final thought there, but I'm going to let it go because this is a is this a family oriented podcast, you know? And I'm old and everything. And are you talking about Avery Moss? Well, <laughs> yeah. Let's just move on now. Are we at the end? We're at the end. Yeah. Let's uh, don't forget to tip your weight staff.
There you have it. That'll be it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Thanks to uh, Rick for joining us all the way from the East Coast, where things are, are an hour ahead there, uh, even though he sometimes he thinks they're an hour behind. That's okay. Uh, I, I, I guess I'd just say don't be waving things around in public that fizzle out. It's really disappointing to people. Okay. You know, that is important words to live by, John. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, John. Thanks. I'd like to pass that wisdom on sometimes. Thank you to uh, John Dam Johnston for the epic wisdom that he has bestowed upon us all. Although now I won't be able to sleep tonight. Uh, to Haas Reuter, as always, my name is Greg Mahachko, and uh, this Motley crew and I, we uh, remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need, John. Merry Christmas! Go Big Red! Rick? Win the, win the damn off season. WTOS. Win the damn... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we should, have, we should have figured out how that was going to go before we went. WTDOS. Win the damn off season. Yeah, that works. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.